Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. And we are back with another episode. Um, pardon the sound of fireworks, possibly, that might be going off as we're recording this uh, right before the 4th of July holiday week, or I guess at the end of the weekend, but before July Before 3rd. the actual 4th of July. Right, but our, our neighbors left setting off this stuff early. They've been setting them off for two weeks. Yes, pardon, pardon the noise of Aaron Katz. In the hallway as he wanders in and out of the room, um, but we are very excited to talk Possibly about possibly the giggles of a child who has not gone to sleep yet. Also, also true, <laughs> also true, uh, but that's okay because we're going to be talking um, a bunch of games that we're very excited to talk about. A couple of games that we've been wanting to get to for a while have been gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, later on the show, we're going to be reviewing a full review on Clank. Uh, which we, I know we talked about impressions a couple months ago, but we're going to do a full-fledged review because we can't still stop playing this game. Um, but just a quick reminder before we get into it, follow us online on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is where you can seek us out uh, at Tabletop for Two for any of those. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or any other podcasting service that you use. Uh, we have BGG Guild, number 2623. And as usual, we are always soliciting episode topics from our listeners. Um, if you have anything you'd like to hear us talk about as our main segment, let us know, and we will certainly consider it. Um, I am very, very excited to talk about the first game that we <laughs> uh, you are. that we're talking about, and this is uh, a recent reprint uh, from GMT Games, uh, a long sought after game uh, that's now readily available, and that is 1960: The Making of the President. This is the game from uh, Jason Matthews and of Twilight Struggle fame and Christian Leonard, a co-design. Uh, Z-Man published it originally about, I guess it's been about ten years, uh, but it quickly went out of print and has been very difficult to find lately. Uh, GMT Games did a brand new reprint uh, with all new art for the board, the cards, um, some streamlined rules as well. And we finally got it. Um, we backed it on P500. We took it for a spin and I came away pretty happy with the end result. And the loser. That's less important than the <laughs> fact that the game was a lot of fun. What did you think? Well, as always, Brad makes me the bad guy because I love being the bad guy. So I was... Well, bad is bad is a relative term in this case, considering we're talking about the election of the president, because it's basically Nixon yes, versus Kennedy. Yes, but anyone who has read a history book knows about Nixon and his... You know, well, yeah, his, uh, four, his, 14 years later, but right. in 1960, nobody nobody could foresee that. So well, this was for, just for all, you know, purposes here. I was bad guy. You were the good guy. And it was like I said, it was a, it really, was a really a lot of fun, though. It was. Um, this is another this is a card driven game, um, which draws a lot of inspiration from Twilight Struggle, as I guess you would expect. But instead of competing superpowers battling for world and global influence, uh, you are competing presidential candidates vying for electoral electoral votes. votes. Yeah. And the game is essentially, it takes place over nine rounds and each round uh, players are going to have a hand of cards and you're going to be spending, using those cards to either uh, mimic some of the events that happened during that time or to use those to campaign Across the country, cubes out in different states. Well, so you're trying to you're trying to swing the states one way or the other to vote for you when it comes general election time. And the way this one works is that only one player can ever have like a presence in a given state. So, like if you go campaign in a state that your opponent controls, then you'll actually be removing their influence out of that state before. Uh, you are able to add yours into the mix. Complete sense. Yeah, Um, you can also try to. Get the media on your side, which helps give you control over, you know, the importance of the different campaign issues that are going on. And you can also try to vie for control of those campaign issues as well, which is important uh, because getting control of those issues will gain you valuable endorsements mm-hmm. uh, as you go through the campaign. Endorsements are kind of helpful the, because um, they'll swing them at the tiles. end of the game. Well, the momentum, momentum icon, tiles. Uh, tiles are also helpful as well. So in Twilight Struggle... Um, each card either has an event that is affiliated with your faction, your opponent's faction, or for both. And if you play a card that's an opponent's card, they get to trigger the event automatically. Well, 1960 has a similar system, but it works a little bit differently in this one. So when you play a card 
that has an opponent or a dual event on it, and you choose not to use that card for the event, you choose to use it for the for the campaign points that are on the card, your opponent can actually spend one of their momentum tiles uh, in order to trigger that event once you're done the action. And it, I, I really enjoy that part of the game because it adds a different strategic element than Twilight Struggle does. In Twilight Struggle, it's, hey, I know this thing is this bad thing is going to happen regardless, so how can I play it at a time that's going to make it less harmful to me? Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game, it's, man, I have this really bad event in my hand that maybe I'll hold on to and try to kind of fake my opponent out into wasting their momentum tiles early in the rounds so that when... I play this better card that they won't have anything. They won't be able to trigger the event on it, which would be really helpful. And then you as the person who's looking at that event, be like, man, that event's pretty good, but I wonder if he's holding on to something that's even better that I might want to save my tiles for. And then they also have the, a cool mechanic where if you, if you play a card that you absolutely positively don't want to let your opponent use, you can actually spend two of your momentum tokens in order to preempt your opponent from being able to play, yeah, I had to that do event. that once. Well, because there's some really powerful events in the in the game for sure. It was the one I had was let you like put out cubes in five or six different states, something mm-hmm. like that, and I was like, yeah, no, you're not getting your hands on that one. Yeah, and it's it's and it's interesting because you do have to like the campaign points that you can spend are kind of limited, so you do have to be very very smart with how you allocate um, going around the country because. Another fun fact about the game is you can actually only add influence in the state where your candidate is located. And if you want to move them long distances, you have to spend valuable points on your turn in order to do that. So, Unless, of course, there are cards in there that tell you you can move about the board freely without right. having to pay you know, the cost to swap regions or yeah, whatever. Yeah, move you around, stuff like that. Right. Um, there's two rounds in the game that are a little bit different. Um, the f- one round is, I, th- I think in round six, you actually have uh, debates between one another. So each at the end of each, each of the turns, you're going to save one of your cards that you were dealt, and that card is going to go into a campaign strategy pile. And during the debate, you and your opponents are going to play the cards one by one to try to win the debates on the issues that are in the campaign, which could be a valuable source of state support that you're trying to throw out. And then the very last round of the game um, is election day, where you are actually trying to do a last-minute swing of certain states mm-hmm. um, as as a ploy to try to roll the election your way. And you failed miserably at that. I did, and because you can plan ahead for those as well. And the interesting way the game settles the election results is, of course, any state that you control, you get. Um, any state that is in that is still split down the middle is going to go to whichever player has an endorsement in that region. And if there's no endorsement in that region, then each state is either going to lean Democrat or Republican and will go to that player. Um, you take all the count up all the votes from the states that you received and whoever gets the most electoral votes or I think I think it's whoever gets to above 269 in this case um, wins the presidency and wins the game. And, yeah, like I said, this was this was a tremendous amount of fun. Um, it played differently enough from Twilight Struggle. Well, I like so. There weren't really any neutral cards, which is kind of what I like. Like, mm-hmm. there's the ones where it could go either way, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, I wouldn't really classify it as like a neutral event. Well, those were just events that you know could, I mean? that helped whichever player played them, usually. Right, but I'm saying they weren't necessarily neutral. Mm-hmm. So I kind of enjoyed that. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like you have this or this. You know, you have to make a choice. Well, and the the other thing that was interesting with this one, too, is the the random mechanic in the game is there's a draw bag that has the different cubes from each player in them. And occasionally um, when you're trying to infiltrate a state that your opponent is carrying um, or later in the game when you're trying to make those last-minute support ploys, um, there's a random drawing mechanic that you use to see how successful you are with that. And you can actually influence it. So if you play... Oh, and when you play the cards for the campaign points, you get the rest of Well, that's what I'm saying. So if you play lower campaign point cards, you'll get more cubes into this bag. I think two is the highest, right, on any card? 
it choose the highest number of rescues per right. card, but those are only on the cards that give you two campaign points, but the cards that give you four campaign points when you, you get play them get them. zero. So so the better cards will hurt you down the road with that with that random mechanic, which is also an interesting little thing. Um it's also the the event cards in this game are much different. In Twilight Struggle, um the events come out in predetermined stages. Certain cards will will appear at certain points in the game, and you can plan for that. In this game, you don't have that. You have just one deck of cards that gets all shuffled together, and so it's a little bit more unpredictable. And you really have to you really have to make sure that you are anticipating any anything that might pop up, as I guess one would expect during <laughs> during well, and like, October I felt, presidential I campaign. I felt like I was not. I, I was not well enough prepared for the debates, but I came out okay anyway. Mm-hmm. I think you won two of the issues, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. during those debates. Um, and the, yeah, those are a tricky parts to explain at the beginning of the game, but once you've played it once, you kind of get it. And this one also played pretty fast, so the, since this one has a set number of turns in the game, um, you can easily schedule it out. It's only about 90 to 120 minutes when you play it. Um, so it's it was a real it was a lot of fun. I was I had high hopes for the game. When it was coming in, um, it definitely lived up to those. I'll be interested to to play them again. And like I said, it, it kind of kind of wore uh, played out like a actual presidential election would, where I, you know, I as Kennedy carried way more states than Nixon, but Emily. But I wrestled away the big states. Right, you were able to put a stronghold on New York and California specifically, because if you had lost either of those two states, you would have lost the game. And I if made I a lost strong California. I oh, New York, New York would have been too. Well, I know, but we didn't. We didn't. We deem California was the well, one Cal- that California, won it for me. California was the one where I had a better chance to wrestle from me because New York. Well, yeah, really because you had down. that card. So there are some cards that you can play that have effects during certain points of the game. Like there's one that says only during the debates, only during election day. Like he had an election day card. That said, he gets five pulls out of the bag mm-hmm. um, in California, right. and of course, so I just loaded up over there, hoping, hoping, hoping that he was not going to pull his cubes, and he pulled my cubes out. Mm-hmm. It's like to do. It was it was a very interesting, very interesting experience, and well, well anxiety inducing there at the end. Oh, you thought so? See, I didn't. I didn't get the same level of tension that I get playing Twilight Struggle um, as. I didn't get that same level of of like worry and dread basically that that's in that game. This one was a little bit lighter, I think. Um I would actually probably recommend this one first to people if you're interested to get into an area control game of that mm-hmm. sort. It was fun. Yeah, it was a good time. 1960 making of the president if you've had your eye on this, uh definitely go check it out. <laughs> Next on the list is Guilds of London. Yeah, this was this is a TMG game. Um, it is speaking of area control. This is a game where you are. It's a, it's a card driven action game, which is which is fun. Um, and the cards that you're playing, you can either play to get. You have these little guildmaster guys that you put out on this board, and the board is comprised in the two player game. It's a little bit different than the higher player counts. Two player game has a five by five grid of tiles with the guild hall in the center and the goal is to get your workers to the different guilds that are on the board to control them each guild has like a target number that you're trying to get a total number of workers between the different players on those spaces and once you do that the guild basically activates whoever has the most workers on the space uh, wins a top prize second most workers win a second prize and and you flip the tile over and that also like having control of certain color tiles factors in for certain end game scoring conditions because also as the game goes along you're going to be collecting these end game scoring cards um, which will help you greatly if you can plan for them properly at the end of the game um, but or if you can understand them properly at first right because I think that was what happened with you you didn't quite read it right yeah but the way that the um, the way that the actions are done in the game is through card play so you have a hand of cards and the cards are multi-use you can either play cards to move your workers to different guilds um, you can use them to put out new workers on the board or each card has a unique action that you can use um, spend that card to do that specific action. When it's your turn, you can play as few or as many of these cards as you want that are in your hand. Some of the actions do cost money, which you pay for in the form of discarding cards, which I found to be interesting. Um, 
And it's a little Race for the Galaxy-esque in that respect, I think. The way that the game... Here we go again. Well, I'm just saying, that, that, I mean, that's what it reminded me Did of. Did you buy it? No, I didn't know. buy it. Um, that's what it reminded me of. Because, like I said, you have cards that you pay, use other cards to pay for. You talked about Race for the Galaxy last episode, We did, but, but, I mean, that's that's what I think of when I think of the card play in this game. Um, obviously, it has the area control factor into it. And there's some jockeying for competition. There's also ways to replace your opponent's workers with neutral workers when a tile gets scored um, that you can use to your advantage as well. All in all, you didn't really care for this one, I don't think. No, it just... Kind of fell flat. I, I was I was indifferent to it. It was okay. Um, it actually also reminded me in some ways of Yokohama in terms of how... I can see that. You're putting workers out on certain tiles and you're trying to get multiple workers on a tile to to execute its action, essentially, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Um, the game also maybe carried on a smidge too long, mm-hmm. possibly. Um, and then you didn't like the fact that the board was kind of static the entire game. That's actually a problem with the two-player version specifically because in the three-player, ver- three and four-player versions, you start with a smaller board of tiles that will expand as the game goes along. But with two players, it's a fixed right. A and fixed I, don't, thing. I think that definitely hurt it because if you had, if you were getting at least a few new tiles into the mix. It might have helped things a little bit, but it kind of got stagnant over the course of the game for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, th- I, this is ironically, this is a game where the addition of some kind of a neutral force, like we rail on neutral third parties sometimes in games and two player games. Do. Well, I do, but I think, I think funnily enough, this is a game that could have actually benefited like, from that. There's a game that I loved that you got rid of that had the third person in it but what's that compounded oh yeah because i just just didn't care for it i really liked it but you just nope you wouldn't even keep it around for higher player counts nope but uh but like i said with guilds of london i think it would have benefited from some kind of way to kind of clog up the tiles i guess a little bit more um yes as a result this one just didn't didn't wasn't a big success for us um, not one that we're planning on revisiting probably just going to trade it away at this point uh one that i don't think we're Trading. Can what? I say something real quick? Yeah, Because if it. I say it on the air, then we'll actually do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to be either putting up for sale or auctioning or math trading a bunch of games away. So keep an eye out from PGG. Well, because yeah, we need to clear out some space. <laughs> yep. Uh, but one one game that's not going to be included with that is Arkwright from Capstone Games, which I've I've we've had for at least six months, at least if not longer, and we just haven't found the time to get it to the table because it's always a little daunting right like this is a game that i keep hearing about that it's excellent but it's a beast i always get concerned when the box is huge which this one is yes this one is very much so not quite uh not quite odin size not quite colonist size but it's still pretty big pretty big still pretty big um but we finally sat down and and said yeah and M said, I want to play this. Let's do it. So I, I finally read through the rules for the Spinning Jenny variant of the game, which is the introductory and shorter variant. Not even really introductory variant, just like the shorter variant, I guess. And Arkwright was a really interesting puzzle of a game because this is a straight-up like economic market manipulation it's game. very much more complex than you would deem it to be just by mm. looking at it. Well, my, my biggest fear with this game is that as, as I was reading through it um, when I was first looking at it, I was worried that you would find it to be really dry theme-wise. And it is really dry theme-wise because it really is like straight up, hey, you're buying factories and you're setting the prices of your goods and you're hiring your workers and your factories are producing stuff and you're trying to raise the stock value of your company because that increases the value of your shares and having valuable shares is the object of the game. You're trying to have the most lucrative portfolio when the game ends. But there's really not a lot of chrome on the game. There's not a lot of splash on the game. Like It's very dry by the numbers. It's very mathy. It's very um, you know plan ahead very can be very difficult even the colors are very muted on the board and Mm -hmm. everything too but it works it works really well it was quite a bit of fun like i said i always enjoy the puzzliness of things Mm -hmm. you know me i'm a puzzle girl yeah so it's it's and it's and it's cool because 
this one gives you a lot of control over what you're doing. Like it's it's a game where if you if you screw up, you really only have yourself to blame a hundred percent because when you build a factory, you set the prices for your goods. You determine right. how appealing your goods are to buy. Well and like there's only four factories, four different types of factories mm-hmm. I should say. Um and I was asking Brad, I was like, because he was mentioning in one round, he's like, oh, it's a, there's a penalty if you get to this round with such Well, and such. Fa- factories will get obsolete eventually. And I said, well, what about if you don't build it at all? Do you have to build all of the factories? And he was like, no. He's like, you know, pick and choose. Which, mm-hmm. like, for the first, like, half of the game, I just had two different types of factories. And then I threw a third one into the mix just for, you know... Because I was like, you know what? Nobody else is on this one, so let me get in here while I can and mm-hmm. try and get the most out of it. It actually worked out in my favor. Yeah, but at least in the Spinning Jenny version of the game, there is no, there are no surprises. Like, you know exactly what's going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. when the factories are going to produce. You can calculate the demand for a specific type of good. You know how many good. turns it's going to be. Right. You can, you can, you can, ca- the only thing you can't calculate is what your opponent's going to do. So sometimes getting to plate last in a round has its advantages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can, you know what you're going to do, so you know when it's a good time to buy more shares of stock because you're about to skyrocket the value of your stock oh, for the roof, Lord, potentially. Yeah. When, once mine started going, like, up, 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 I'm like, okay. Yeah, um, how am I going to afford and, any and of this? And certain tiles let you pick up these special tiles from the board, and one of the special tiles was you get the first share you buy at half price. I'm like, okay, that's how I'm going to get some more mm-hmm. shares in my company. Yeah. Well, and it's cool because it reminded me a lot of Panamax because Panamax is also a game where your personal money doesn't matter at all. Money is a means to an end. You're trying to buy stock. You're trying to buy shares, right. and you're trying to increase the value of those shares. That's how this game is as well. But money's still really important because you have to have money in order oh, yeah. to do what and you it, want to do. It's funny because, like, at first it's like, okay, this seems like an all right amount of money. And as you go on and you have to pay your workers and stuff, I'm like, oh, good Lord. Well not, like, well, not only your workers, but also um, each round of the game, each player gets to perform one action. And you have these tiles that each have a picture of an action on them that determines what you get to do that round. But there's an administrative board with five spaces that run values from, two, you know, two to ten in even number increments. And you have to put your tile on one of those spaces on your personal track each time you decide to and do an action. And you have to pay that out before you pay out whatever else you may have to well, pay. Right now, not only do you have to pay the cost for the space, but also some tiles are better if you can put them on higher numbered spaces than they right. are if you put them on lower. So if you don't plan ahead throughout the for the entire yeah, decade. Yeah, that happen to me once. Right, you might you might end up like, wanting to be like, "Oh, I want to do I want to do the better version of this action, but I I don't have a space in order to do it." Right. Well, I goes, like, "I'm going to do this." And I'm like, "Oh, poop. I got to put it in the $10 spot, you know." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like I said, it our our it it definitely at least the the regular version lives up to the hype. And the spinning Jenny very like you know, first time playing only took us 90 minutes. Like we breezed through the game. Um, I've even heard that mode taking a long time for new players. But no, but. Like, I mean, I think once we kind of understood what mm-hmm. was what, that's what it is. Just once you get the symbol down, so you know, okay, if I play this, it means a stock market action. If I play this, it means I get to uh, increase my productivity. You yeah, know? the uh, like I said, the actions were really simple. Um, the only complex part of the game when you first start playing is when there's a market surplus of a specific good, and then you have to basically divvy out how the good is hit, is sold. To different people, so and and that's a little confusing the first time you go through it. But once you've done that a few times, it's actually much easier to to know exactly how that. Well, works. mine kept being um, when I would uh, when I would up my price. I'm mm-hmm. like I I was I got confused at first about setting my price versus the market. How everything got calculated out. Mm-hmm. But I had it by the end of the game. It's like I said, it's it was very it was a very fun game. Um and and weird for a game that's so mathy to be so fun. Super heavy. I'm looking forward to kind of looking into the waterframe version, which is the full version of the game. But that's that's like a three to four hour experience from what I understand. So we'll have to plan that one out well in advance. But of course we will report back here. Uh, once we get a chance to do that at some point, but yeah, even the Spinning Jenny version by itself um, is a good game, and yeah. and even if you only did that, it would still be a pretty decent economic game, mm-hmm. um, and that's Arkwright, which we uh, which we enjoyed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. When we played it the other night. 
So this week we are reviewing a game that Em and I cannot get enough of in the few months that we've had it, and that is Clank, a deck building adventure. Uh, this came out in 2016. Uh, Paul Denon is the designer. It's published in the U.S. by Renegade Game Studios, and the title says it all. It is a deck building adventure game. So think a deck building game in the vein of Ascension, uh, but with a tre- like a dungeon crawling treasure with an diving Indiana Jones esque kind of thing. Sort of. It's me. the 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 closest comparison would be like Ink and Gold. Well, like for me, I say that because, like, as you go through, like mm-hmm. I said, you have the dragon and you snatch the stuff and you piss off the dragon. Like I said, he snatches stuff and the, you know, giant boulder comes run, rolling after him. Yeah, the goal, <laughs> the goal, the goal of the game is to use your <laughs> is to is to build your deck of cards to dive as deep as you can into this dungeon and collect as much treasure as much loot as you can and then make it out with your head still intact before <laughs> the dragon who guards the. Castle awakens and tries to and tries to kill you. Um, so the way the game goes along, you each player starts with a ten card deck of cards that is the same for every player. And there's a row of three cards that are always available: one that helps give you movement, one that helps give you attack power, and then the the secret tomes, which are just worth a ton of victory points but don't have much use outside of that. And then outside of that, there's a deck of cards. They remind that sh- me of the um, the cards you buy in trains. Yeah, they're the, they're the victory point cards essentially. Mm-hmm. And then there's a a buy row of six cards uh, that's from a shuffled deck that will be replaced constantly throughout the game. And there's also a map. Um, both players start at the entrance of the dungeon, and the map is made up of, of a number of rooms that are connected through different tunnels, essentially. And on your turn, um, you're going to play cards out of your hand, and the cards will generate one of three different currencies, either uh, the skill, uh, attack power, or and or boots. Um, boots let you move throughout Boots the are made for walking. They are made for walking. They let you move throughout the <laughs> the different the castle through the different passageways. Um, as you're going to go from passage to passage, room to room, some rooms have treasures in them that you can collect or items that you can collect, which is uh, which is always fun. Um, attack power lets you kill monsters uh, that might be in the by row of cards. There's also a goblin that's always available to smash in the face. Also, in some of the passages, there'll be like a monster symbol, and you have to use. A um attack card to or a sword to yep. hit through that. Correct. And, or else you take a damage. Or you have skill, um, which you use to purchase cards. That's your that's your currency to buy other cards. And you're gonna use these, you're gonna use your skill, you're gonna buy some cards, you're gonna add them to your discard pile. Of course, they'll get shuffled into your deck. Um each card, or not every card, but a lot of cards also have a special ability that's unique to that card. On it as well, so you can, of course, use that card special ability. And the other currency that you have to worry about as you go throughout the game is some cards will generate uh, the game's namesake, which is called Clank. And Clank is noise that you make throughout the dungeon that alerts the dragon. Because, of course, you're clad in armor. Of course, as you go through, or you're just noisy as you're searching things and, and doing things of that nature. So each player has a number of cubes that match their player color. And every time you add Clank, it goes on to the, a designated clank area on the board, and there it will stay unless you get a chance to remove it. And it's going to stay there until eventually a card gets replaced in the biro at the end of your turn that has a dragon rage symbol on it. And the dragon rage symbol means the dragon has woken up, has not taken kindly to you and it your pissed it off. Yeah, you and your buddies being down in this in this castle, and so the dragon attacks. And when this happens, you take all of the clank. Um, that is on this clank space and you put it into a draw bag. Now the, the game, the draw bag starts with 24 black dragon cubes in it, which are cubes that you want to be drawn because then it means no one is taking damage. But you're going to draw a number of cubes equal to where the dragon is situated on the dragon's rage track. And for every cube of a player color that's drawn out of that bag, uh, that goes onto your damage track. And of course, if your damage track fills up, you are dead. And if you're going to, and it's, dying is not the be all end all of the game. Um, if you're going to die, you do at least have to die not in the depths 
of the dungeon because if you die in the depths, then you get no points and you automatically lose. But if you do die on your way out of the dungeon, then you can at least get some victory points and and let your possessions add up at the end of the game. So, But you want to manage your health as you go along. Now, it can get worse because you can draw cards into the biros that say, oh, plus one draw out of the bag when you get a dragon card. Yes, and, and, and the other thing that makes the dragon angry as well is there are a number of artifacts spread around the depths of the dungeon. And the the real goal of the game is to go down there, collect one of those, and then to escape. But mm-hmm. every time you pick up a player, any player picks up one of these artifact tokens. Mama gets more angry. The dragon will get angrier and potentially draw more cubes every time they attack. Um, there are all sorts of other secrets to find, like different treasures. You can also steal the dragon's age, or eggs, rather. The dragon's <laughs> eggs, which also makes the dragon more upset whenever that mm-hmm. happens. You can find some chalices. There are these monkey idols that you can get as well, which are wherever. Everything you get is worth victory points. There's also markets that you can stop at on the board uh, where you can spend the gold that you accumulate as you go throughout the dungeons on a variety of different items. There's a backpack, which I like, because the backpack will actually let you pick up an extra artifact because you're only allowed to take one, mm-hmm. but the backpack lets you take two. And see, I like the keys, which lets you go through different uh, locked passageways, basically, uh, that are the only way to escape those the spaces. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting because there's a lot of different paths that you can take on the board. Mm-hmm. Um you're not there's no linear path. You're not locked to going one side. Now do we mention the crystal caverns? Oh, those are just, like, there's crystal caverns that impede your ability to move Like, once swiftly. you enter one, you have to stop moving. You can't move any further. Right, but there's... Unless you have a card that says you can. Yeah, and the, and, and the way the cards play play out are interesting as well, as you go through, because they'll do all sorts, all sorts of different things, like let you teleport to different rooms, or heal damage, or get gold, or, you know, a variety of different stuff. Now, like, there's some of them... Um... I I think they're mostly like victory point cards where it's like, okay, it's worth this amount of points, but you get this benefit from it now. But if you have to play it out of your hand, you have to add like three clank to the mix. And I'm like, oh Mm -hmm. my God, it's like, is it worth it? You kind of got to weigh it. So, and you're going to, and so basically you're going to go along until somebody's probably going to escape the dungeon Mm -hmm. at some point. And as soon as one person escapes, it starts a countdown clock. Or as soon as one person dies, also, for that matter, it starts a countdown clock for everybody else in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Because now each player only has, I think it's three turns before the dragon will just kill everyone that's in the room. Mm-hmm. And as 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 you go, the more and more cubes are going to get drawn out of the bag. And if you haven't figured out, as as you're going through the game drawing out cubes every time the dragon attacks... You're thinning out the dragon cubes out of the bag. So there's going to come a point where the high concentration of cubes are player cubes and the damage starts flying fast and free. Well, there are some cards that let you put dragon cubes back in the bag, too. But they're few and far between. They are very few and far between. (laughs) Um, So you're going to keep going until either everyone has escaped or the dragon has wiped everybody out either way. And then you're going to tally up your points. You're going to get points for treasures you've taken. You're going to get points for the cards that are in your deck. You're going to get points for your leftover gold. And if you manage to escape the dungeon completely, you get a 20-point mastery bonus, which is a huge thing as well. And when it's all said and done, uh, whoever has scored the most victory points is going to be Now, the cool thing with this one is there is a companion app for your devices. Yeah, there's there's an optional app. The Renegade Studios app um, actually adds a little bit of fun randomness to the game yeah, as well. I like it a lot. Um where it's completely optional and each the app essentially gives you three events and it says when any of these three events occur, tap the button in the app. And the app will randomly sometimes it does nothing, so and then sometimes it'll institute a small event that affects all the players. Which is a fun way to add some variety into the mix as well. What I really like it for is at the end of the game, counting up your points makes it a lot easier. Yeah, they have a score calculator as well, <laughs> which is also very, very cool. Because it's we, like, pick which artifacts you got. Boom, boom, boom. Pick which this you got. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? It makes it a lot easier. Well, ever since we started playing with the app, I don't think we've played a game without it. No. To this point. So it's more fun. It is more fun that way. Having, having those a little more elements. variety. You yeah. know, a little more... Uh, chance going on so the two-player differences really aren't 
much in this one. Um, the only thing that you that change with two players is two of the artifact tokens get removed randomly before the game starts. So you don't have the full allotment of artifacts each round. And the dragon starts angrier uh, than she would in a three or four player game. So meaning she'll be drawing more cubes out early on in the game, essentially. That's it, other than uh, other than other than that. So let's talk about this game a little bit. This is a very, very simple game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's funny. I, it's it's amusing that we've played it as much as you and I have because we've had it for what three months now. We had got it at Unpub, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, we bought it we at Unpub. So we have it for three months, and we've played this you made probably a beeline more, for it. Right. We well, we've probably played this game more than any other game in our collection since we've gotten it. And I, I say that's funny because we really, you and I, tend to lean towards more complex games. Like, this game is really simple. It's very well, easy to maybe play. maybe it's because we like so many complex games that this one kind of hit a sweet spot for us. And we're like, you know what? This is really fun. Mm-hmm. It's stupid simple. But it's it just like the fun of it. It's just like it's more than... Right, and it's and it's not very it's not very rulesy. It's not very no, rulesy not at, all. at all, and it's not very complex. It's a, it's it's a easy game to teach. It's an easy game to learn how to play. Um, if you, as you said, as, it's pretty straightforward with the symbols, with everything. Well, if you've played any pretty much any deck builder, you're already seventy five percent of the way there, pretty much with how this game works, and you just need to learn the nuances of of the different rules with this one. Um, so I always say how, you know, the, one of the questions we asked during our reviews is how hard was it for me to teach and how hard was it for Emily to learn? And I had no problem teaching this to you whatsoever. No, no, not at all. Like I said, the biggest thing was just remembering, okay, cavern, if it's crystal cavern, I have to stop. Um, certain, certain, um, just rules about, I think certain monsters can only be killed in certain rooms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, stuff like that, but nothing too major. Well, I'll tell you what, one one rule that we did mess up, or I shouldn't say we, it's me, because I'm the one that's that's the rules yeah. bearing. Um, the first couple games we played, I kept putting the black cubes Oh, he did. He kept the putting bag. the dragon cubes back in yeah, the bag. Yeah, I kept putting them back in the bag, not realize. And then we came, I think we came across one of the cards that lets you put the, black, put the dragon cubes back in the bag, some of them. And I was like, why would this card exist if you just put the cubes back in the bag every time? And then, and then I realized that I missed. Like, oh, crap. Yeah, it never mentions to put the cubes back in the bag. I just assumed <laughs> that that was how it went. So <laughs> don't make that stupid mistake um, that I made. That was the only thing that eh, we ever really messed happens. up, though. For sure. To the best of them. So, what do we like about this game? This game is just plain fun. It is always a hoot whenever we play. I love the fact that I can drive you nuts with this game. Why, why do you say that? Because, okay, so Brad's one of those, he dives in the bag, pulls all the cubes into his hand, and then dumps them on the table. I'm a one cube at a time kind of oh, girl. Yeah. And it drives him insane. And I love it. I love watching you squirm as I'm pulling them out. Like, oh my god, what color is it? Oh my god, what color is it? Well, it's no, it's especially <laughs> no fun when your damage tends to be very high. Because it's not easy to get rid of damage. No, it isn't. There's, it's the, the opportunities to do that are few and far between. But it's just so much fun. It's so, Most it's of it's such all in cards, isn't it? Uh, no, actually, I think most of the way to heal damage is on the tokens. More so, the different secrets that you can I come saw across. Quite a few cards where, like, when you acquire the card, there you are, get one. There are a couple, but the, I don't think those are those are plentiful. I think those are few and far between. And there, and there, but there's a lot of the secret tokens that have right. healing on them, for sure. But yeah, it's just it's just such a good time. It's it's a nice, like you don't have to think too much about a deck builder. It's it's very obvious, like the different combos that you can create with the mm-hmm. different cards, and it's. Not a complex game like we've mentioned, but it's just it's one that's you can play it in forty five minutes. It's always a good time. I love the push your luck aspect mm-hmm. of the game. Um, that's the best part, and it's hard to do push your luck aspects with two players sometimes in in a game where you're competing against one another. But this game really does encourage you to be like, well, how greedy can I be? <laughs> Like, I know M's kind of close to leaving the dungeon. She might be out within the next yeah, three I, turns. This one across from me got his butt killed the one time because I'm like, all right, I'm going to get in. And I just, it just so happened how my cards fell and everything. I was able to get in, get a decently point 
a, a decent point artifact and get out with some bonuses along the way. And this guy's like, he he. I think you had gotten a backpack. You were trying to get a second one, and mm-hmm. you're like, I can make it over to this one. And I'm getting out of there, and you're like, oh crap. Well, and you think that like getting in, and getting out would be the strategy to go with in this game, but you can't help but want to go right, to this right. next room you're that's like, over here. But I'm right here, and I can go over there and let's see what's on that secret question mark token. And oh, but I can get one of the monkey idols. And oh, there's the store. I can get a ten point crown. Yeah, like yeah. and 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 you know buying and buying yeah right right like you said buying the different <laughs> artifacts in the store, right. um and making your gold more lucrative than it is is mm-hmm. really good. Um, I love the variety of cards that come in the game so that you can't plan for specific strategies. Um, some people won't like that randomness. Some people won't like the you know having just a complete. You you could have one game where there's barely any monsters and and barely any dragon attacks and just a ton of cards coming out. You could have the game where every card, every round, someone's drawing attack cards and and letting the damage pile up quickly. I like that because it keeps the game feeling feeling fresh every time you play, mm-hmm. and that's a really good deal. What else do you uh, What else do you really dig about this? I mean. I like the ang- I, I I love the dragon. I think that's like the coolest thing that she's just like, you know what? I'm gonna zap your butt. Mm-hmm. And I like the dragon token and the bag and all that. Like all the little pieces, everything just kind of works so well with the game. It's not fun when when the your opponent's the one that causes the dragon to wake up and all of your cubes get pulled out of the bag. That's mm-hmm. never that's never a good time. Yep. But it's just kind of one. It's it's the fun frustrations. Of this game, um, well, so, and it's kind of ha- you got to weigh your options. Do I take the clank? Do I not take the clank? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and, and again, that's that's part of the that's part of the press your luck uh, aspects of the game. Sitting there going, sure. no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Yeah, um, some stuff that I dislike. There's really there's not a ton. Um, I will say that the card stock that the cards are printed on is not the best. Um, it's very thin. It's very flimsy. I felt the desire to to sleeve these cards right away so that they don't wear. Of course, they have dark borders so that you know you'll see any shuffling wear on them mm-hmm. almost immediately. Um, so the compo- the card components not the best. Um, that's a minor. That's a minor nitpick, I guess. I'm trying to think of stuff about the game itself that I I don't really have anything that I don't care for. I mean, like so th- those games where. It is just dragon attack, dragon attack, dragon attack. Sometimes aren't the most fun, but it is just one game. Um, and of course, like if you if you are not happy being a slave to the forces of randomness of random card draw, like if you're trying to move in the dungeon, you keep not able to draw boot cards out of your deck. Then yeah, you're not going to have a good time with this game. But if you go in, like, understanding, hey, it's a card game, it's random. And plus, your decks get, like, this is not a deck-trimming game by any means. This is a fat deck game. Your deck's going to get really big mm-hmm. as you go along. So you can't I think quite... I've only seen two cards in the game that allow you to get rid of anything. They're few and far between, for sure. Um, and and so, so, again, if you like playing deck building to set up these very elaborate combos and to have, and to have this fine-tuned machine of a deck that you can do in some deck building games like Dominion and and things of that sort, then this is not going to be a game that you enjoy because this is more of the train style, like unwieldy, you know, you massive have deck. Massive piles of trash in your deck. Not even trash, but just like like you can't even call out your basic movement cards and your basic, you know, skill cards, which as the game goes on, become more and more useless to you. Absolutely. So, but you don't have the opportunity to get those things out of your deck. There's so, like Em said, there's some cards that let you do it, but it's not I've, really. I've only seen like two, I think. Mm-hmm. So comparable games. Um, the the first one that pops in my mind, and, and we've said it on the show before, and we'll continue to talk about it, is this. This game is the same weight as Ascension, basically, and this game has basically made it so that if I never played Ascension again, I'd be all right with that because clank has sort of taken over that level of deck building game for me makes me a little sad uh when clank is so fun it is fun but i what still, are you gonna 
I still have a soft spot for Ascension. Yeah. So if you like if you like uh if you like games the way like deck building games the weight of an Ascension, um maybe a little bit under like where a Thunderstone would be. That's kind of where Clank sits, mm-hmm. I would say. Um who would we recommend it to if you like deck building games? I mean that's that's where that's that's who's going to love this. And it's it's cuz it's deck building with that extra element of the, the dungeon of the crawl. Board, yeah. Added yeah. in. So again, if you don't like deck building games, I don't think this is changing your mind <laughs> for <laughs> no. any reason. Um, but if you, and, and I'll tell you what too, th- uh, this would also be good to introduce to maybe more casual gamers who enjoy games that have like a push your luck element, and maybe you introduce something a little bit more complex to them, um, and this could be a good jumping off point for that. I would say. Uh, two players, yeah, I'd say so. Absolutely, we've we've played it exclusively two players. It works just fine. We haven't played with him. Oh no, you had you had. Yeah, I had company over and played and played a two player game. And then he immediately company. bought it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Friend friend of mine that I had over to play and checked it out for the first time and bought it as soon as he got home. When he got home, but yeah, we've we've exclusively played it at two players, and it's great. It works. It works just fine. Um, there's no benefit to having extra players, except I guess there's more calamity in the dungeon. I'd like to play it at a higher player account just to see what it's like. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd imagine that secrets are harder to get because there's more competition for them, and and the the higher artifacts might be a little bit more challenging to to pick up. Well, so. I just want to see what the race is like. Like, who's the first one to get out and see who how you have to. Oh, hey, you know. to hustle out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, but... That would be hilarious, seeing everybody, like, sweating bullets trying to get out. But, yeah, Clank, Clank is just a fantastically fun game. Like, if we ever are in the mood to play something light, this well, is usually the one that I'm recommending This right is now. usually, like, if we've just played something super heavy, we can bust this one out. If we want just something to warm up for the evening, we'll bust this out. Mm-hmm. If we only have like a half an hour, forty five minutes, we'll bust it out. It's yeah. it's just been it's been tremendous fun. It's been it's been a great time. Um, I don't see us playing it any less, honestly. No. Over the next several months, it really it really has just taken with us um, more than most games have recently that we that we've been playing. It just it just kind of hit that right spot for us for sure. Now there is one more thing to talk about with Clank. Um, and that is the Sunken Treasures expansion, the first expansion that's out for the game. Um, Sunken Treasures adds a new double-sided game board, which has two different maps that you can use. Um, it adds, I think it's 35 new cards into the mix. And as the name would imply, uh, the Sunken Treasures part of the game adds a um like a pirate, like a sunken ship expansion that adds water into the mix. And water as a gameplay element is a new challenge that you have to overcome uh, because if you start a, if you start a turn underwater and don't end a turn above water, because a lot of the spaces are, are, are submerged, then you take damage. So, but a lot of the most lucrative spaces on those boards are in the depths under the sea, but also in the store, there's a scuba tank you can buy. Yeah, there's a, absolutely. There's a scuba tank you can get so that you can breathe underwater. You don't need to worry about it. Um, the Sunken Treasures expansion also adds an always available enemy, which is a goldfish. Mm-hmm. That it's a mean looking goldfish. It too. is a mean looking goldfish. It's like a vampire goldfish. But you can only fight it underwater. Um, the other thing it adds too that's very cool is it has a lot of cards that give you an okay benefit when you play them. But it gives you an extra benefit, a better benefit, if you can somehow discard those cards out of your hand before you get a chance to play it. So it invites a little bit more combo-heavy play because you want to combine those cards with cards that let you discard cards out of your hand so that you can really take advantage of those and make them awesome. Um, This is, if you enjoy Clank, this is a no-brainer expansion, um, doubling the... I believe as soon as we heard about this, we were already... Okay, when's it coming out? And we had it pre-ordered, ready to rock right, and roll. Right, right. Um, it's more cards. It's another double-sided board, which is two more maps to play, which now, if you combine that with the base game, gives you four maps to choose from. That's pretty good. Um, the cards can stay in for the most part um, when you're playing. Brad broke our map. Well, no, it wasn't me that broke our map. Apparently, the um, it was you that broke the map. Well, yes, but it's not my fault, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so apparently, the only downer with Sunken Treasures is the first 
print run of the expansion had the map boards were faulty from the factory. They were still wet when they <coughs> did something. They said, because I was reading the letter when we got our new board, and it's like, mm. yes, we understand the irony. It was too wet, and it was sunken treasures. <laughs> right. But uh, so, so the boards are prone to tearing, but Renegade was very cool about it. They replaced our board yep. very quickly, and I know all the subsequent printings out there have the updated board. So if you get a first edition printing of the expansion, you can get the board replaced if you buy it. Now the the version is in store. Okay. This should be fine, um, but yeah, it's it's a no brainer expansion. I would even go as far to say that if you think that this is a game that you would like, and you go to pick up Clank, if they have the expansion, just buy that as well. Yep. I don't think I don't think you would be disappointed uh, having that in your in your arsenal. There's supposed to be more expansions coming out um, throughout the next year or so i think Sweet. for the game which is which is very cool it. yeah it, like i said it's 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 a great game um and and one that i can't recommend enough for deck building fans out there where where is this so like i so if we if we revisit our deck building pantheon real quick and and we and, and, knows, and, and long time listeners know we do love our deck building games it's not it's not quite up to legendary encounters i still think that's the standard mm-hmm. bearer and it doesn't quite scratch the same inch as Eminent Domain does, no. but that's a different, it's a different type. That's of a different game. type of deck builder. Different type of game. I gotta say though, I think that this might beat out Trains. Really? I think so because it's more fun than Trains. Like Trains is more like stri- like tactical. It's a little bit more mm-hmm. long term planning. This one just is. It's not burdened by those things. It's it's just more fun. You can react to the cards that you have more. And I yeah, this one's more a button masher. A little bit, me. I guess. That's a decent way to. It's a decent way to put it. Like, but yeah, I would I would probably put this over trains right now, if it were me. So. Well, I mean, it. I mean, if it's any indication by. If we're going to play something, and you're like, oh, clank. When I had suggested trains the one night, you're like. Hmm. And I think then we came around to Clank, and you're like, yes, let's play Clank. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. Yeah, like I said, if, yeah, if I can only have one, it would still be Legendary Encounters, but this is this is sliding in, I think, at the two spot right underneath. <laughs> right underneath that right now. It's a good game. Yeah. It's a great game. So that was our review of Clank. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. If you have not played it and have any questions, or if you have played it and want to chime in, definitely let us know on uh, online. Uh, what you think about the game and and Sunken Treasures as well. So that is going to be it for our show this week. Um, just a reminder as well, make sure to check out all the other great TNP Studios Network shows, uh, which include the Nerdpocalypse, the Dense Pixels podcast, and Black on Black Cinema. And if you get a chance, go to uh, densepixels.com or thenerdpocalypse.com slash premium and sign up for a premium membership to check out more great shows on the premium side of things. That's just $5 a month or $50 for a whole year. We appreciate it if you did that. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you all very much once again for listening, and we will see you next episode. Bye.